Maddie. Hi, Erin. Oh my gosh, and hello everyone who's tuned in. Welcome to Barely Literate, our new podcast. Woohoo! Yeah. Thanks for clicking on us. Mom, hi. You're probably my only listener. Love you. I know my mom's not here. She doesn't love me as much. She's gonna be mad at you for that. Oh my god, I know. My mom, my mom does love me. She's definitely listening. It's our, it probably, it's our only mom's listening, but yeah, that's 100% it. Yeah. But But yeah, welcome to our podcast where we each read a different book based off a singular trope and we chat about it. And usually we have alcohol, but sometimes we have coffee and it's 830 in the morning. (laughs) Every once in a while, not often. It's usually alcohol. Gotta be quirky sometimes though. Yeah. I gotta mix it up. Today is one of those times, 8.30 in the morning to record our episode. Woohoo! We wish we had mimosas. Well, not at 8.30. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with the lattes and the coffees for now. But yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll get right into the episode. The topic for this week was a LGBTQ plus book. So, well, fun book. And who knows when this is going to come out? It might be June, so it might be Pride Month. So... Yeah, fully, fully on brand. So I'm, I'm very excited. I think we have two different aspects of the LGBTQ community. Insanely of. different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. All right. What, what were you, what do you read this week? I read A Dowry of Blood by S.T. Gibson. I think her name is actually Saint. So that's kind of cool. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I like her, her whole vibe is very cool. So in her like profile picture on Goodreads, she's got like a dark lipstick on and I was reading a bit about her and she's like a holistic, I believe, mm-hmm. something or other, but she seems very cool. So like ratings and stars, um, it's like a lesser known book, I want to say, um, 11,400 ratings, but it's got 4.2 stars. It was in the, um, I remember seeing it in the Goodreads Choice Awards. It didn't win, but- it was for, think, for a thriller or a horror novel. It was nominated. One of the two. I believe. Yep. I think it was I want to say horror. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to give a little, little synopsis? Yeah. So the book is a retelling of Dracula's Brides. And you never, like, they never explicitly say the word Dracula in the entire book, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it follows um, a woman, Const- Constanta, in her relationship with Dracula and how she's saved from the brink of death early on. And it's, like, about desire, obsession, and then eventually, I think they say in, like, the synopsis, like, emancipation. And that's, but it's all through the eyes of Constanta and this relationship that Dracula has. And you see it also evolve to include other people. And they're extending their large family to include, there's an aristocrat named Magdalena. And then- I love that name. Oh, I know. It's so cool. And the starving artist Alexi, which I love that name. Like, really? I love, both. I love Alexi. I think that's mm-hmm. such a good name for a boy. I think I like it. It's like gender bending almost. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that too. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And bringing these other two individuals into this relationship, it opens up Constanta's eyes to the, the cruelty that's going on inside of her relationship. So it gives her a bit of perspective. Dracula is very, has a lot of passion in his love, but he's also very deceitful. So it's kind of like a battle. But at the end, she has to choose between love and freedom. The plot is kind of difficult for this book, but- Yeah, yeah. from what I, from what I remember, it was a pretty big character study or just looking at a relationship. 
rather than yes so also the book is written in second person which i thought was interesting so it's directed at like it says like you but she's directing it at dracula Mm -hmm. it was that was really interesting but like the book opens up saying that she killed him like the first line is like i you know yeah I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. I don't think that's a spoiler. Okay. I think I think the first line is fair game. Okay. Yep. First line is this is the story of how I ended up killing him. And it then it just goes into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so I I always find it so fascinating when you know the ending to the book before. And then like you you have to see what events lead up to it. I think that's yeah. fascinating. Especially in this case when it's a relationship study and not like a plot-based thing you know like what events led up to like what did he do that pushed her to the brink of killing him right yeah mm-hmm. yeah um but i guess getting into a bit more like the relationships and how it is actually an lgbtq novel so at the beginning it's just dracula and constanta and you're like well this is you know, a basic relationship. Mm-hmm. But you could see early on that she definitely has feelings for women in general. And that starts with her and a woman named I think Han. And she like would come to the house early on and Constanta just started kind of developing feelings and emotions for her. And Dracula got super jealous because he fucking sucks. Let's just blatantly be that. He's like the most toxic person in the world. Oh my God. And he got super jealous that she was spending time with with a human and also like somebody outside the two of them. So that's but so she, scary when when a toxic person is also has that much he's a vampire and so he's like inhumanly strong and has like powers that like a normal human doesn't. And so just having like that toxic of a personality and such like a a strong, like physically strong body is such a terrifying concept. Yeah. That's a power struggle. Mm-hmm. There's a level of power that he has over all of them in this book. And that's just a big part of it. But that was kind of like the first, you know, inkling of, oh, okay, this, this book is a little more than just a, a cis relationship between two people. I don't mm-hmm. think, is that the right word? I, I want to be correct in this podcast. Our LGBTQ. I feel like, oh gosh. What's the name for a relationship that is, I mean, it's, it's heterosexual, like a heterosexual relationship. I feel like cis, this is gender-based. I think it is gender-based. Um, so would it be like a, I don't know. I'm not sure either. Someone let us know. Someone let yes, us know. We want to be it, correct. Yeah. <laughs> if it's just like a hetero relationship. Or is it cis and hetero? Yeah. Is that a thing? I don't know. Someone let us know. Very curious. Very curious as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So when Constanta's originally with the relationship, she has more freedom. But as time progresses, there's a lot of issues that kind of arise. He hates that she cares about humans. And he also hates that her killings and like, the people that she feeds on are cruel men who have abused or wronged other people. And he just thinks that's like useless, essentially. He's like, you're not doing anything. Like, why are you doing this? You're not really helping anybody. <sighs> yeah. What a horrible guy. 
Oh my gosh. He probably saw himself in them. Well, he probably didn't. I feel like a lot of like toxic people can't see how toxic they are. Yeah, I'll get into that a bit later, but yeah. Um, But yeah, she's like serving as like God's angel of judgment and he's literally mocking her, like making fun of her. And I'm like, what? Uh, It's so funny when people try and do good in the world. Yeah. It was also really interesting how um, they're traveling around. It takes place in Europe and they're just kind of traveling to different areas in Europe in different time periods. I believe it starts from like the 1400s and you go to the 1900s over the span of the book because they're Mm -hmm. vampires and they live forever unless they don't. (laughs) As the first line says. (laughs) Yep, pretty much. There's just a definite power struggle, but she, at least in this time frame of the book, is the first one, the first bride. And eventually that changes. There's a woman named Magdalena when they're in Spain, or actually they travel to Spain almost pretty much to get her. But, you know, Constanta doesn't really know that that's happening. And there's a lot of initial jealousy with Magdalena. And there's a lot of gaslighting by our dear Dracula. I will read a quote, but it's so annoying. He says, you sound paranoid, Constanta. You need rest. Oh my gosh. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, no, gaslighting. You are right. You are. <laughs> Literally, like, like, she is. But they go to visit this woman who's like a high society aristocrat who has made her way. Um, she actually sent her father away so that she could be like the head of the household. And she's kind of, she's a very cool person. She's very bold. She's beautiful. There is an initial attraction that Constanta feels towards Magdalena upon like first sight. She's like, oh my God, like she feels this feeling, but she's also jealous because Dracula has brought her here to see another woman. And he, she's like, what, what is going on? Yeah, there's um, no, like, I've got nothing against like polyamorous relationships, but there has to be some communication beforehand so that y'all are on the same page of, okay, this is what we want. And exactly a potential future partner for the three of us like everyone yeah yeah. and at the end of this meeting Dracula or like I guess kind of in the middle of this meeting her he's like oh Constanta do you want Magdalena like I can give her to you and he's make he's fabricating it making it seem like it is Constanta's choice but really she has no choice in this and Another quote written in the book is you manufactured by consent every step of the way, a mere formality. And yeah. That's a beautiful quote, but also just heartbreaking or just. Yes. So uh, reveals how toxic someone can be. And I feel like that's, yeah, a very common maybe trait of a toxic relationship. Yes. This was an insane, just the whole time. So toxic. Mm -hmm. Dracula, you're so fucked. But it was really interesting seeing because there are they, there end up being four people in this relationship, the different ways that he is toxic to each individual person, mm-hmm. but also the beautiful ways in which the individuals also find love between each other. Like through all of this, Constanta loves him. Like there is a deep passion that she has for him. As you see later on, when more people join the relationship, she just feels this need to constantly defend him. And that's, it's heartbreaking because like deep down she knows that he is so messed up and he's a 
being abusive, but she also loves him. And it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, this, I've read this book. Um, and like just watching, like you said, it's so heartbreaking just seeing the, like as an outsider being like, this person is garbage. He's the worst. Like how, how could you like stay with him? But then being in the mind of someone just you can't turn off those feelings and yeah. knowing that they're a bad person and then doing something about it is just two different things when you have such a passionate love for someone who's not good for you or for anyone really. Yeah. And this, the power struggle is so real because he literally made these people, he's giving them, he's turning them into vampires and giving them eternal life. And so there's like a certain amount that they owe to him or that they feel like they owe to him. And he makes pretty obvious that he essentially owns them. And there are points in the book where he blatantly just says that. And so that's why like in the book synopsis, it's like a story of desire, passion, and emancipation because like they need to figure out how to make their own, like be their own people Mm -hmm. and make that decision. To go off that a little bit, from what I remember of the book, there was a part of it where, and maybe you'll touch on this later or plan to, um, but where they don't know anything about being a vampire or how to like kill one or make one. And he purposely keeps it that way as a form of control, like keeping them ignorant about themselves. Like they are vampires and yet they are completely in the dark about how they work or what they need. And like, it just makes them completely reliant on him. And that control of information is just like another layered aspect of, I don't know, how he keeps control of them. Yeah. And how it's an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, he, he 100% does that. It's like their very existence is hidden from them and they need that knowledge to be free of him in which, you know, they eventually go down that route. But I mean, so going back to Magdalena and Constanta's relationship, after that initial lust and desire, it's th- they form like a deep love and deep connection between the two of them. And they're both just absolutely infatuated with each other, but they're also both still infatuated with Dracula. So it's, it's very interesting because you'd think that this love would be so good between the two of them that mm-hmm. they wouldn't need him. Like, that's what I initially thought. I'm like, why do you still feel the need to be around Dracula? And I guess I even now I don't fully understand that if you guys love each other so much, why? I don't know. Like it's beyond like the power struggle. They just, they still want to be with him as well. And Constanta literally said that she has never wanted a woman like she wants Magdalena. Mm -hmm. There's a weird like part where they seal the bond between each other and become like blood sisters, quite literally. Like they prick their fingers and share their blood. I was like, okay, y'all, that that's kinky. <laughs> that's, for the but non-vampires I mean, in the room, please don't do that. We like hygiene and not getting diseases. Aaron, you don't want to be blood sisters? Aaron, we can get tested first and then we could do it. How about that? No. I'm going to set some healthy boundaries and say no. We can like rub ourselves in ketchup together. Ew, I, that's <laughs> worse. To me, that's more gross. No. Like, actually. That's ew. my counter offer. Nope. Rejected. We could be ketchup sisters. Ew. Uh-uh. I hate that. <laughs> I actually hate that. Did I love it. 
But um, Saint, so going off of like kinky, weird ketchup things, mm-hmm. not ketchup things, but blood things, a lot of their like sex scenes are intense. Like, whoo, damn, sweating over here. <laughs> sweating over here. The author packs a lot into like, what is it, 250 pages? Yeah. I mean, I will say I was reading this on my phone. I read the entire thing on my phone. So my mm. phone said it was 384 phone pages. Oh, that's, that's not a lot for phone pages. I mean, yeah, but like the words were decently big and I didn't change anything. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know how I ended up with, I thought there was an ebook for this, but it was literally like a, just a Libby ebook and it was kind of annoying. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't like reading books I, on my phone. I did not enjoy that. Side note, yeah, guys, don't read it on your phone. Not fun. If you want, the audiobook is really short, apparently. I, yes, I did the audiobook, and I think it's about six hours, and it's stunning. It's stunning. Oh, I should have read the audiobook, but I wanted to have, like, the full appreciation for the words so that I could do the podcast for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think both routes are as good as one another. I, yeah, the book is... The book has some stunning quotes throughout it. And I think both the audiobook and the written word are probably as good as each other. But, you know, more with the, their decline of their freaking relationship. Magdalena, you know, really bold, really great person, high society. And she's, she's doing good. And they call after they've been turned like their honeymoon. There's mm-hmm. like the honeymoon phase. And then it's like the actual phase. And so the honeymoon is great. She's showing them new things. But then, like, her novelty wears off, and now Dracula's being fucking toxic again and preventing her from sending letters and correspondence to other people, speaking with different cohorts, and he's super jealous and suspicious of anyone who tries to get close to her. And so that's just, it's sad. It's, like, another relationship deteriorating. Mm-hmm. There's, like, that initial honeymoon phase, and then it's just, like... Pure isolation. Yes. And she just gets into this state of melancholy Mm -hmm. and she, yeah, she's got some mental health issues. Let's just say that. And that's totally valid because her life is garbage right now. Um, Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that her mental health issues were caused by Dracula. Uh Uh-huh. hundred (laughs) percent. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they go out at night, obviously, because, you know, the daylight fucks with them. And she gets to this point where she won't even she'll just stay in bed all day and night and just not leave. And she's just super depressed because Dracula's holding her back and won't let her live her life and being controlling. Mm-hmm. And it's very sad, but bright side, Alexi rolls in when they're in Russia. Um, we think this is another instance where Dracula has sought out somebody and like found them to be part of this family with his brides. Mm-hmm. But now we have a husband joining the family. Ooh. And he's only like 19, but yeah, he seems pretty hot. I would, and I like his name, so. Maddie's down for it. I'm down for it. (laughs) So yeah, so we get to introduce, um, not only we have a lesbian relationship, we have a gay relationship going on as well, because now there is this relationship between Dracula and Alexi. Mm -hmm. And this polyamorous marriage they're all married to Dracula, but they view each other as like, I know Magdalene and Constanta are like sisters, mm-hmm. but they're lovers. And it's just, it's a lot going on. But Alexi's just like this bright, like light in their lives. And That's cute. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
but um, Constanta actually views him more as a son. So that was, I was like, okay. But really she feels like she needs to nurture and protect him. So mm-hmm. she, yeah. She's saving him from this life where he, they initially meet when he's like a starving artist and he's posing for a painting and he's like super skinny and she just feels this need to like save him. But also it's a juxtaposition because she also feels the need to save him from Dracula as well. But I'm also, that's where I get a little confused. I'm like, well, she doesn't really have a chance to say no. And so by Dracula's, I guess, initial pick of him, he's already essentially dooming him. So I feel like Constanta is like, if I can be a part of this and have a say in this, I can save him from at least some aspect of this doom. He's already been chosen by Dracula. Mm Mm-hmm. But once again, Dracula asked for Constanta's consent, but not actually her consent. <laughs> a stand-up guy. I really, we really need to like write down the definition of consent for him. <laughs> for everyone who here, I'm gonna Google it for everyone, just so we're all on the same page here on what needs to happen in a relationship. Permission for something to happen or agreement to do something. Okay. I feel like we need to expand that definition to include just because you say yes, you have to also be emotionally and mentally stable to give consent. Yes. Yes. I agree. You have to be in a safe enough place to say no, to be yes. able to say yes. Yep. Okay. Everyone who's listening to this, by listening, you are agreeing to ask for, just get consent in every part of your relationship that needs it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Snap, good. snap. Glad everyone's in agreement. Yeah, that was that was a good little side note because that's mm-hmm. very important. And I feel like people don't understand that. Like people can say yes, but you have to look between the lines and you have to look at the situation. But with Alexi, everybody's just happy again. Like Magdalena's not as depressed anymore. People are just happy. And things I'm sure are going that lasts. so good. Right. It's like, mm. it's always, it's, it's a cycle. This book is a cycle. It's like initial, like, ah, honeymoon. Eh. Ooh, new person, honeymoon. Eh. Ooh, new person, honeymoon. Eh. Like Dracula's putting a bandaid on. <laughs> he, yeah, I guess it's, it sounds like when people get unhappy, he introduces another person into it and then they're happy again for a while. And then they get out of the honeymoon phase and then they're unhappy. Until they get yep. another person. Yeah. It's like a giant festering wound that he's, yeah, you're, you're trying to put a band-aid on something that's just spewing blood out. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's fine. It's like the dog in the meme in the, with the fire when he's sitting there. Yeah. Fire, everyone's like, ah, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. But yeah, so that starts to deteriorate. <laughs> um, Alexi's very headstrong. He's a super extroverted person. He gets under Dracula's skin and he does it purposefully. He challenges him. Um, he wants a say in their daily lives. What a wild concept. Right? Mm -hmm. Like having opinions. Mm -hmm. Mm, Wow. Voicing opinions. Mm, Wow. But he's also infatuated with Dracula as well. He adores everything about him, the good and the bad. And he is there for the bad moods. Like he welcomes them and he provokes them. And I'm like, what? So it goes downhill with Alexi then. Yes, because, you know, he's challenging Dracula. And Alexi needs people around him and wants to see people and talk to other people 
because they're in France at this point mm-hmm. and there's so much going on in this world because Alexi comes in, I think around the 1900s, like early 1900s. And he's just like this young, free spirited person. He just really struggles with Dracula, but their love and their passion is absolutely insane. Like their love scenes are like, whoa, y'all, y'all. Wow. I don't know. Love is not enough when you don't have respect yeah respect or consent or a healthy relationship it's not enough no it's not at one point he even asked alexi asked constanta he's like do you think dracula realizes how cruel he is and initially she's like i don't think he does but then there's this situation where alexi and dracula get into one of their fights and Alexi goes to Constanta and Constanta and Alexi's relationship is really that mother-son relationship. And this is like the one instance where they're sexually being intimate by themselves, not in like the larger group. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, Dracula like can just tell that they've been like, you know, having sex and messing around. And he, um, Dracula said he only fucked you because he was angry angry with me and Magdalena's been sick for three days he says that to Constanta and that's when she's like yep he knows how cruel he is <laughs> oh my gosh I can't he he needs to die right they they have to realize that there's like a turning point that happens where they need to all become ready to get out of this relationship mm-hmm. and free themselves from his wrath good I'm glad yeah, and they all, at some point they break and they realize that they're just disposable. You know, he can just go do this with anybody. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of the overall book? Ah, yes, good question. Um, I liked it. All the characters were really well developed. It's mm-hmm. like you have four characters. The writing was beautiful. Quotes were beautiful. And I thought the romance was really like well written and all of their like more intimate scenes were interesting to read. Mm-hmm. I said chef's kiss for that there I mean it wasn't perfect in my mind but it was a very different book because like from the get-go you know what happens in the first like line of it yep and a lot of, I sometimes struggle with books like that because you're almost wait like just like okay when is this gonna happen mm-hmm. and so that that was a little harder for me and at some points it kind of just seems to go on and on and I'm like let's get to the point but it's also such a unique style where I'm like I don't see it having being written any other way. I also think the Dracula, the cycle becomes very repetitive and you're just like, um, we need to get out of this with Dracula's abuse and his toxic. It's like, mm-hmm. we've seen this before. That's fair. And I also, reading it on my phone sucked, so. <laughs> <laughs> your reading experience was less than? Less than ideal, so. Yeah. Okay, so what's your, what's your star rating, do you think? Um, if there weren't half stars, um, I'd probably do it like 3.7, like 3.5, 3.7, but I rounded it up to a four because mm-hmm. I thought it was a very unique book. Do you know that there's going to be a sequel to this now? What? Yeah, it's going to, it's a series. Oh. Isn't that weird? I was like, is there... Is it going to follow their lives after their emancipation from him? I have no idea. I have not a single clue. Because like it ended in a very neat way. Or in a way that you can't continue on the original story that has been told. Yeah. I don't know if I'd read the sequel, honestly. I think I would just to 
just to see where it went. And like, I really, really enjoyed how beautiful the writing was. And I really liked it because she can go anywhere with the sequel. And so I'm curious to see what direction she does take. And if it's the length of like this book, then I'm here for it. Like, it's not gonna be long. I also, if I read the, the synopsis of the book and she takes it into like more of a plot driven book, I think I'd read it. But I think if it's the same kind of situation, I would have been like, oh, I've read it. I've done it. I'm, I'm good. I liked it, but mm-hmm. I'm good. I think that's where I stand. Yeah, I'm curious. I'll be, on the, I'll be on the lookout for it. We'll let you guys know if you're interested too, so. Yeah, maybe we could do a follow-up episode. Any final thoughts? Um, I guess who would I recommend it to? That's always a good, good mm-hmm. thing to end things on. Um, people who like more pretty writing. I'd recommend it too because it definitely wasn't a, like a plot-based book if you're into like Dracula and the vampires and kind of like spins on classic books I think it's also a really good book for that and a little bit of you know horror so I liked it oh good I'm glad you want to hear about my book no <laughs> okay bye everyone see you yeah, next week <laughs> this is Maddie's podcast Erin's <laughs> just here to to be here <laughs> yeah Maddie's provide the, the commentary every now and then <laughs> yeah Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about my book anyway. Hmm. Um, so I read Felix Ever After by Case and Calendar. Um, it's definitely a huge 180 from, from your book. Mine was, <laughs> yeah, yours is, it says just- There weren't like sexy blood scenes. There weren't sexy blood scenes. No sexy blood scenes. No, <laughs> I don't know. Ex- like extremely toxic men taking over <laughs> other people's lives. Felix Ever After is- in a genre that I don't read pretty much ever. Um, it was a young adult contemporary, which I don't read contemporary and I don't read young adult, but I really enjoyed this book. So Me? yeah, I know. I'm pleasantly surprised. I love the cover of it. The cover is gorgeous. Wait, do you have it? I want to see. Yeah, I do. <gasps> I love that. Isn't that I, stunning? Yeah. I remember when you bought it last year. Yeah. Yeah. You were and there it was in that. our, it was in our, sh- sh- we were roommates and lovers. No, we weren't lovers. I wish we were lovers. We're, 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 t- we're technically married, but not technically. <laughs> not in our hearts, but the stupid government is not happy about it. Yeah. We also both have boyfriends. So this is awkward. <laughs> They're irrelevant. They're fine. irrelevant. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this cover is absolutely stunning. And it's very cool. So the book follows uh, Felix Love, who's a 17-year-old boy who is Black and queer and transgender. And the cool part about this is like, so Felix Love is on the cover. And so he's transgender and he's gone through top surgery to, you know, remove his previous breasts and whatnot. And the scars are on it. (gasps) Oh my god, I love that. Isn't that isn't that wonderful? Erin, I'm borrowing that book. I already I, I mean, I've wanted to read it ever since I think you bought it and I like looked it up and I was like, oh my god, I want to read that. It yeah, it's it's stunning. And like the little detail that's on the cut, co- I thought it was perfect. But into the the true synopsis. So Felix Love, he's 17-year-old boy attending a summer program for art students. And really all around him, he sees this peers falling in and out of love as normal mm. teenagers do and yep. it's just not something he's ever experienced for himself and he kind of internalizes that and he makes him wonder why it's so easy for everyone else but just impossible for him 
And like part of that is even though he's very proud of his identity, like being black and queer and transgender, he thinks that all those marginalizations might have something to do with it, like might prevent him from being loved. Or in having like this typical kind of teen relationship where you kind of like somebody for three months and then like, eh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he's he's dealing with that. But also there's, at the very start of the book, he's dealing with this anonymous student who is sending him transphobic messages. Mm. And the same student made an art gallery that exposed his dead name. So for those who don't know, like when you, I don't want to generalize, I'm not super well versed with the, uh, the trans community. But from what I understood from this book, like when you transition, you can pick a new name that mm. is more like fitting with your new identity. And so it's a very personal thing then that the old name is referred to as the dead name. And it should be uh, the individual who transitioned. It should be their right to pick and choose who knows that name, if anyone, and when it's used. And sorry. Yeah, because they've, yeah, they've essentially, because the name that you're given at birth, you don't choose that. And now you've chosen who you are, gender-wise, as well as your name. And your name is kind of that physical, I guess, embodiment of like how you feel. Yes. I don't know if a name's physical, but to me, it almost feels physical. I don't know, because people are saying it. It's like out there. Yes. Yeah. It's a representation of the identity you've kind of chosen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so when someone uses a dead name without the individual's permission, it's hugely disrespectful and traumatizing to the person who's no longer using that name. And so this anonymous student went through the trouble of creating a physical gallery where they exposed the dead name and also pictures of uh, Felix Love before his transition. And so he's trying to figure out who is doing this and why. And it's just like really, like he's just dealing with so many things. And when he thinks he figures out who it is, he plans a revenge plot of basically catfishing this person. Oh. Yeah. And it ends him up in this unintentional quasi love triangle in the book. Okay. Who's the other person in this triangle besides this person he's trying to catfish? His his best friend. Okay. So yeah, it's just so, it was such an interesting read and it was so, it was the most complex character study I've ever read about, period. Damn, and a young adult as well? And a young adult. Wow. It was, it was masterfully done. I am so impressed. It had, it touched on so many aspects of identity and love whether that like being like loving yourself or loving being in love it touched on family like the hardships of even like different types of family like felix's family and then like his like friends all had different like relationships with their family because felix has a lot of queer friends and so that's great love that (laughs) right right yeah the the diversity in this book was just outstanding for for that kind of thing And so like seeing different parents, like they all had kind of different, all the friends had parents who had different reactions to them being queer. And so seeing that nuance was really, really interesting. That's that's really great because I feel like the typical, I think this is a newer book, right? 2020. Yes. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the other books that are like LGBTQ plus and have representation in like the trans community, it's all about like, there's one individual among the masses mm-hmm. who is queer. And then it's their story kind of of like breaking out and like becoming who they are in their hardships. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that we've almost like 
those are still very important stories, very important, but it's nice to hear about books that are going beyond that and showing like the bigger community and the bigger aspects that whether than just like this transition and having people accept who you are like that's important but there's so much more and beyond that mm-hmm. and so yeah that this sounds like a book that just fully encompassed so many things that have been lacking in other books yes. other queer books yeah yeah and like I remember when this first was published in 2020 it really took the reading community by storm because I think either either this was a a first book of its kind to have that kind of nuance and that kind of just wonderful all encompassing not all encompassing wow um just representation of so many different people and groups and things or at least if not the first of its kind then like it was the mass market like they were able to reach well okay this has 40,000 goodreads ratings so at least 40,000 people read this and like that kind of large-scale audience I think has it was probably one of the first that's been happened for such, I don't know, such, such a good representation of, well, okay, I want to say good, but like, I'm not part of the, the, the transgender, the community. like queer community. So I can't comment on like whether or not it was good, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, just the fact that an author is writing like this is, is I think a good start. So yeah, the representation of like the family and like everyone's different families and how they react was phenomenal. Friend, the friendship representation in here was really good and like the nuances of that I feel like a lot of the times I don't know people have like friends that are either like 100% good or like 100% bad or just but this showed like a friend group that was really complex and not everyone was the same level of friendship as everyone else and that kind of thing yeah that that's super important right just like every single detail of this book was so well done but like not only that it felt like a 17-year-old. Like, Case and Calendar. Love that. Yes. It is so difficult, I think, for authors to hit the right, like, making their character seem like the right age. And he didn't seem too young, didn't seem too old. He felt like a 17-year-old. Like, he makes a lot of mistakes. Yep. And he Very learns important. from them. He makes infuriating choices sometimes, you know? <sighs> yeah. Which is like, what a 17 year old would do you know I think that like I could 100% picture Felix 10 years after this book like took place and be like yeah shouldn't have done that you know which is like everyone has those moments as a teenager so just having an imperfect flawed main character who is making age-appropriate mistakes and like learning from them is like wonderful yes that is I did have a question is the author queer or no they are um Yes, I'm not sure if they are transgender or not, but they do go by they, them pronouns. Okay. I, I do think they're transgender, but at the very least, you know, they don't identify with she, her, he, him. Okay. We should also say what our pronouns are. So, you know, we create a inclusive. Oh, yes. Um, for anyone who's curious, I identify as she, her. I also identify as she, her. But yeah. Un- yes, unfortunately, we're, we're too pretty basic people to be talking about <laughs> lgbtq books yeah, but yeah. <laughs> we're here for them yes we like to read them we like to you know learn about it and so that we can be out of like good citizens and you know understanding people so yeah yeah i think I everybody think- should you know we need representation the more you know mm-hmm. yeah and i think part of this book so like in the media i think a lot of things that come up are like the rights that the lgbtq 
groups should have, including like trans rights, which is like phenomenal. But like, I feel like the only exposure I got before this book was like, just just hot button topics, I guess, like military issues or like bathroom issues and kind of thing. But I had never really heard of a story about identity and like finding your identity as like a trans person and just having like such an in-depth look at that was so eye-opening to me who was like I've been very privileged in that I have been born in the body that I feel most comfortable in yeah and so like being in someone's mind who hadn't is so interesting and like not only that like it's not it was so complex and nuanced because like even though Felix was or is like transgender he isn't it's not he still like struggled with his identity the entirety of the book yeah I don't think it's an end-all be-all like especially when people make the transition just because you've done it doesn't mean that you have all of your life figured out yeah it's like you you figured out one aspect but you're still a 17 year old boy trying to you know figure out all these different challenges that are thrown your way And like, not only that, like he, even after he transitioned, he was still doubting his like gender identity. Yeah. And like, it's so, I feel like I've never seen the representation of like, or even thought about really the fact that there's not just like the people who choose to transition, there's not, there's not she, her, or they, them, or like he, him. I don't know. There's like nuances to that. And it's like very fluid. And it was just very, it's one thing to know that the fluidity exists just in an abstract way but like reading about an individual who has made the transition and is still like looking for the right terminology is so it was so enlightening yeah I will say like the other book that I've read like detransition baby that was really mm-hmm. interesting because it's like one of them is detransitioning as well but it wasn't that that one was definitely not a young adult and was it was a very good book but I think it was a little more intense which you know that's also necessary too so it's just two very, they just like, these are, those two books are, I think my main, like the two books I think of when I think of transgender books. Mm-hmm. And so it, having read Detransition Baby and not having read Felix After Ever After, they seem just polar opposites. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. And like the vibe of this book is like very, very, it's very happy for the That's most good. part. That's good. Detransition Baby was not happy <laughs> at all. <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it from what I've heard. Uh, but just, yeah, seeing a lot of queer characters get their, like, happily ever after was very good. And just, there was so much complexity and, like, nuance to this book. Oh, there's this enraging quote that I, like, the whole, the whole, a lot of it, there's a lot of, like, transphobia in this book. So, like, a lot of this is, like, enraging. Yes. But um, there's this one character who, this one, like, female character who Felix, like, dated for, like, a week. And... Okay she like completely thinks of herself as like an ally and yet she this is what so she broke up with felix and like this is what she told him she's like she's like breaking up with him and she's like well you deciding to be a guy instead of a girl feels inherently misogynistic you can't be a feminist and decide you don't want to be a woman anymore oh my god i have so many so many thoughts and feelings about that i hate that oh my god i like I like almost like I was like screaming I was like excuse me like she clearly views it as like a choice and uh, just like the fact that she identifies as an ally and like she's later like called out on it and she's like no no I don't take it back I was right I'm just like (gasps) bitch and I'm just like it's just so like it shows the nuance of like 
Yes, you can like be like a great ally to like certain communities, like parts of the LGBTQ plus community, and then other parts be just horrible. And like that doesn't, I don't know, you can't pick and choose which parts that you're an ally to. Yeah, that's that's some BS. I have a question going off of that. Um, Mm -hmm. What are Felix's sexual preference? Is he like open, queer? Is he heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual? I know he's transgender, but. Mm -hmm. Bisexual, I want to say. Gay? It was, I don't, he never, there was a, there was a, okay, there was a part in the book where like his friend group kind of went around and like said the label that they associated with their sexuality. Okay. But he never said his. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm also of the opinion that sexuality is a spectrum. So maybe he's, you know, it's bigger than just. Yeah. Yeah, and so I th- I think there's some parts where he called himself gay. Like, his primary, like, the parts of the book we followed was when he was interested in, in guys. But he did date this girl, as I said, for, like, a week. And so yep. I, don't, I don't know if, like, his, his sexual orientation, like, changed since then or if it's just, like, fluid or, like, whatnot. But, yeah. So I guess I don't, I, uh, from, maybe, maybe I just missed it in, in the book. But from what I know, I didn't, I didn't catch a, a label to his sexual orientation. Fair. Yeah, and just there's so many phenomenal parts to this book. Like his his family aspect was really interesting. He had a really tough relationship. He had a throughout the book he had almost like a non-existent relationship with his mom because his mom like left and like left his family, like moved to Florida and like started her own family, like a different family. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and like has not returned any like has not tried to communicate at all with Felix. And so Felix is... Is he have siblings or no? No. Okay. Um, I got that vibe, but I wanted to clarify. Yes. Felix has no siblings. So like the only people, the only family really in his life is like his dad and like his cat. And his dad is is so, it's such a complex relationship because like his dad is very supportive on paper. Uh. Um, (laughs) Oof. Oh yeah. The oof on paper. Yeah. His dad helped him go through top surgery and helped him get all of his like shots and stuff, like the testosterone shots that he needs. But the everyday aspects of being transgender, he struggles with. Like after Felix transitioned, he would never call Felix by, like never call him Felix. Oh no, yeah. And so like every once in a while he would like dead name him pretty pretty often or just like use gender neutral like hey kid like let's do this or like that kind of thing and so yeah and the dad was like and Felix would bring it up sometimes and his dad would be like oh I'm trying and like you know I've I've had this perception of you for like 15 years of your life and now like that's changed and it just takes some getting used to which I think is like it's like fair but understandable but it's also your kid is being negatively impacted by that. Like that should be, as a as a parent, I think you need to do better. Yes, You're- but it also, I'm glad that the book like puts that to light that there are struggles that parents go through as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you can like look at it and be like, yeah, but you should be doing more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it yes, it was very enlightening to see such a such a complex father figure of okay let's let's help you do what you like feel the need to do with like the surgeries and the transition but also struggling with the everyday things and then it is a very 
complex and nuanced book and like seeing Felix deal with it and work through the challenges that like come to him and then like finding like being able to like love himself by the end and like being able to put a word to like his new not new identity but like finding the words to express his like gender identity yeah was very 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 fun to see yeah it seems like an overall just very good book and a very good book for lgbtq topic I like it. I want to read it. I really want to read it. You definitely should. I highly recommend it. It was so good. Yeah, especially to someone who has never read a book focused on a transgendered person before, let alone a teenager who's like still struggling. I think it was very yeah. eye-opening for me to read. And I, I think everyone, I think everyone should read it. No matter where you are, if you're an LGBTQ person or not, if you have ever read a book about it or not, like, yeah, I, I want to recommend it to my mom, too, because she read Detransition Baby, and that was a really hard book to get through for, like, mm-hmm. multiple reasons. Like, there were certain aspects that were a little boring and certain aspects that were, like, wow, this is a lot, which we both were, like, this is an important book to read. But I think this would be a good one for her to read because she wants to read more books like this, but mm-hmm. maybe, like, a not, like, a lighter one, but, like, a different perspective, like, a younger person, more happy. Yeah. Not discrediting unhappy books because those are important, too. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like yes Felix like does have some unhappy moments like obviously he's dealing with Thomas transphobia from different people in his life yeah rate the book four and a half stars nice so what'd you what'd you put it as then four a five nice I Aaron did. never I... gives out five stars look at her I know I did I put it yes goodreads it says five stars but yeah I remember when it first came out it was at like four and a half stars on Goodreads for the longest time. Uh, as of as of today, as of this morning, it's at 4.35. So I think it's mellowed out just a little bit. But yes, I, I fully recommend it. All right, cool. Well, made good books this time. Very different books. We did. I think both of us are, are pretty happy with it. And I think we yep. both touched on different aspects of the LGBTQ community and different vibes and different age ranges, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mine was like just like this giant open relationship with insane interconnected little bits and pieces, mm-hmm. which was whack. Sounds interesting, though. I, I like the book. Yeah. Well, thanks for chilling with us in the morning, guys. Even though you're probably not listening to this in the morning, but it's still morning for us. Maybe people are. I listen to podcasts on my way to work. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's like, that's I'm weird, like, but okay. I look so, in- I'm- no, I feel like I was just like unimpressed. Like, nice. Like, no one cares. No. <laughs> kidding i care. cares what time of day you listen to podcasts i mean you're right but yeah i feel like if anything you don't listen to them at night i feel like that's weird maybe not nothing's yeah. weird people should tell us when they listen to podcasts the most yeah are you at like is it your commute is it you know in the background while you're doing some menial tasks at work is it while you're you cooking? listen to podcasts when you work out i've tried and it didn't work so i want to know if people do that that's a really good question mm-hmm. i i think a couple times where i've run i've listened to audiobooks but it depends. I could do that. I think I tried when I was like lifting weights and I was like, this is not. You were lifting weights? Yes. One of the like four times that I went to the gym and <laughs> lifted some heavy things. Love that for you. Thanks. Thank you. On that note, thanks for tuning in guys. Enjoy the rest of your days and lives and tune in next time yes. for, our, for another really cool topic that we don't know yet, but it'll be great. Yes. Yeah. New to us. It'll be new to y'all. Love y'all as friends. Love you as lovers. Bye.